1: Hello, How To Podcast. This is Bernadette with a follow-up. Thanking you again for a wonderful experience taking each step that was provided by the expert on the um, How To Divorce segment. It was amazing. I was encouraged because many of my friends said that it not only helped me, of course, but it helped other people. And I hadn't thought about that beyond myself, which makes me grateful. So thanks again. Happy New Year.
2: Welcome to How To, I'm Amanda Ripley. It's that time of year again, where everyone who makes this show gets to come together to reflect on the past 365 days worth of advice. That's 52 episodes featuring your problems and your toughest questions. Hopefully alongside the smartest people we could find to help, we were able to make life a little bit easier. In addition to our regular producers, this year we're joined by Slate's senior technical director, Merritt Jacob. He's the guy who makes our show sound so great
0: uh, thanks so much for having me here
2: Thanks for joining us you you are you have this uh, subconscious and conscious effect on people on every listener and they don't even know it maybe um, <laughs> but you're you're intimately involved in every episode in in scoring the sound so we're very glad that you're here it's exciting and we've also got Derek John who is our executive producer actually you now have some kind of highfalutin title like you've way, You've you've way overshot this show. And now what is your actual, what is your title now?
3: (laughs) That is ridiculous. Well, I'm executive producer of narrative podcast at Slate.
2: Okay. Um, (laughs) And then, of course, we have someone who's who's actually quite shy to be on mic and is actually (laughs) wonderful on mic, has an amazing voice. Um, So, Rosemary, why don't you introduce yourself?
4: Hi, uh, I'm Rosie. I uh, help produce How To from... Very beginnings of, uh, you know, questions that just are inkles in people's eyes to uh, getting the podcast out the door. So in other
2: words, Rosie does every damn thing. Well, pretty much. <laughs> uh, it's awesome to see you all in one place. And um, I, I want to, you know, really thank all of the listeners who are not here but should be. Um, mm-hmm. We're very grateful to all of you who reached out to us this year with your problems, big and small and we learned a lot. So let's let's get let's get into it. What what were some of your favorite episodes or lessons learned from this year? We'll get the answers to that right after the break. And definitely stick around for what has to be my favorite part of this annual retrospective where we check in with a bunch of our listeners from the past year to see how things are going. Stay with us.
3: subject to credit approval terms apply
2: welcome back we're rounding up our favorite advice from 2022 and how we used it in our own lives rosie of all the episodes oh my goodness what stands out to you what do you remember
4: I, f- I feel like, uh, I feel like a parent saying this. I can't pick my favorite. They're all my <laughs> favorites. Um, no, but one of the episodes that I truly just love, it has a little special place in my heart, was the, um, mini-series that we did about how to save a planet, starting with your yard. That was the, uh, the first parter had, uh, Judy, our listener, um, and, uh, Professor Doug Talamy, and then the second part was with, uh, was the field trip that you did with the Swiss ambassador, uh, Ambassador Pete Liu. Um, and it was just one of those episodes that was fun from the get-go. Um, it was informative. I consider myself kind of like a green thumb. It's just, it's just something I'm really passionate about, and I learned so much from this episode. Who knew that oak trees were, like, one of the best, most supportive trees in that you can grow in North
2: America? Who knew? I didn't know know that. I know. I Um, know. I look at them differently now.
4: I do, too. And... It's one of those episodes that had really tangible solutions to uh, an issue like climate change. That I think, at least for myself, it, it kind of leaves me helpless because of mm-hmm. just like the scope of the issue. And by no means, like, is planting a few milkweeds to be a pit stop for butterflies gonna save everything. But like, it gave me a little hope that I can at least mm-hmm. affect what's around me. Um, and. Mm-hmm. Honestly, this was an episode that we got so many, so much like
2: listener feedback on too. I, yeah, I love that episode too. And I, but I, it's funny because I didn't know you actually were a gardener. I mean, I should have figured that out, but I, I have noticed that you love to be outside. Mm, uh, mm. And we will be doing so, Rosie. For the listeners, Rosie lives in Wisconsin. Um, there are there are times where we will be having Zoom meetings, and it's snowing, uh, <laughs> and and Rosie's outside. Um, she has like these fantastic earmuffs and other
3: That was one of my favorite episodes too. And I think it's because it's, it's, it's one of those episodes that just sort of goes against the conventional wisdom. It just kind of makes you look at the world around you in a whole new way. And, you know, I, I was someone who grew up, you know, in the, in the burbs and, I actually loved mowing our, our lawn as a kid. Mm-hmm. It was just like this sort of meditative thing. And I just really loved having that lawn. And then just to kind of realize, oh, that's actually really not great for the local ecosystem. And, and it's, it, it you know, ends up using so much water. And even though we think it looks good, it's, it's actually serious business. I mean, there are you know all these states, especially in the West who are going through this mega drought. And uh, this is kind of like a dire situation.
2: Yeah, it, it did kind of ruin grass for us, right? I mean, I think, mm-hmm. but but it also now, every time I see clover in grass, like sort of mixed in, which used to be like a bad thing, right? You wouldn't want to see anything else other than pure, lush grass. Now it makes me happy. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, good. There's something for the pollinators. Um, in some ways, you know, this that was an easy episode because... You know, we had a place to go. We had things that the listener could do, and she did do. She was super game, as I remember, right, Rosie? Didn't she Mm -hmm. send you a bunch of pictures from her Oh,
4: she did. I felt like I had, like, been to her yard by the time we were done. Judy was amazing. Um, And last I talked to her, she was, like, starting to gear up for the spring. So um, I can't wait to follow up with her come springtime.
2: I'll tell you one thing I have not done this fall. I don't know about any of you. I have not raked my leaves because that was (laughs) one of the things we learned. Do not touch those. And I see everyone else raking, and I'm like, "Sucker!"
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that that was like definitely one of my favorite tips of the year because it was like, "Oh, great! Like, <laughs> I'm actually saving the earth by being lazy."
2: <laughs> okay, so that was that was I think all around one of our favorite episodes. Um, I will say one of my one of the pieces of advice I have tried to apply to my own life is from one of my other favorite episodes of the year, which was How to Make Humor Your Superpower, which was also a two-parter. You can, I guess, tell when we get really excited about <laughs> an episode because we do two parts. Um, so we had Naomi Bagdonas, who is the co-author of this book, Humor Seriously. She came on along with uh, Michael Terry, who uh, who's, you know, a, a stand-up comic on the side and also works at a hedge fund. So he kind of tries to put humor into practice in his everyday life, even in places that feel humorless. Uh, First of all, we laughed a lot on that episode. But the, the takeaway that stayed with me was you don't actually have to be funny to use humor. You just have to be alert to absurdity and say the thing that everyone's noticing, whether you're you know, on a plane or in a conference room (laughs) or waiting for a bus, just be awake to levity and silliness. And there's something really delightful about that. So you're not saying, oh man, I have to be hilarious. But you're (laughs) saying, all I have to do is see the world around me and be willing to take a chance and notice it. Um, And in a very practical way, one of the pieces of advice that Naomi gave was be human in your emails So Mm. she had us look at our most recent emails and actually say, how did we sign off? And Michael and I were both so embarrassed because we were like, all best wishes, you know. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) and she was like, why do we do that? You know, like what? And, And I mean, if we have to spend so much time on email, why not be human? So the sign off is a really good place to do that. So I've tried, sometimes I just don't have the energy, but sometimes I'll try to do a call back, like she said, to something funny that the other person had said last time I saw them or. Or even just a small things. I had just wrote an email an hour ago, and I just signed it. Like, here's to more shenanigans in 2023 because we had done a project together. that was really fun. This person I was writing, and it's it's not funny. That's not, not really that creative. But like, it's better than all best. <laughs> Do You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah.
3: Also, anytime you can use the word shenanigans, I mean, I agreed. Mean like a, a win.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's also hootenanny. We used <laughs> in the last episode.
0: Um, I've got to go review that uh, humor episode because I I love all these things that you're reminding me of, Amanda, about the episode. But I do, I feel like there was one caveat of just sort of about being careful and like that's the sort of catch and you can't (laughs) just because we're all thinking about like someone's like, you know, relative passing away or something. It doesn't mean definitely that you can chime in with like a...
2: (laughs) The one I remember is don't punch down. Mm. Don't make fun of people who have less power than you in the room or the world and certainly no one who's dead. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned that.
3: Uh, Rosie, I'm curious. What's a piece of advice that like, kind of you know really stuck with you that you were able to like apply to your own life
2: um this is kind of silly
4: but uh the episode about dressing with confidence from celebrity stylist lisa evans um was one of the ones that i just like learned so much from um first of all Mm -hmm. who knew black wasn't a neutral like i know so much of my wardrobe is black and i'm like wow i've got such (laughs) a neutral wardrobe i do not um (laughs) but the the one thing that i've like come back to time and time again is that uh you should really let comfort and confidence be your guide in terms of what you're wearing. And that like, even though you like see whatever, like, you know, whatever's popular or what other people are wearing, like if it doesn't work for you and you feel like you're dressing up in someone else's clothes, just like discard it. And that's again, kind of maybe a simple piece of advice, but like, I don't know. I've been coming back to it time and time again this year because I, you know, the last couple of years I've been working remotely. So I don't dress myself to go into the office. And I used to wear like lots of dresses and like tights and like, you know, things that I would consider like fairly Mm -hmm. fancy and I just don't have the reason to like dress up anymore and like I definitely like retreated into like the athlete (laughs) athleisure loungewear and I was feeling kind of guilty about it or self-conscious about it and so this year after hearing that episode I've been trying to like focus a little bit more, um, on like when I do have times that I'm like going out into the world, uh, not only paying attention to what I wear, but like paying attention to how comfortable I feel. And like, let me tell you, I found one shirt that is amazing and it has these (laughs) big flowy ABBA like sleeves. I just love it so much. And (laughs) I like had Lisa in my head as I went uh back online and bought like four more in different colors. I'm like, yes. Lisa would definitely sign off on me doing
5: this. <laughs> this I is your it uniform. Summer. It's
2: my uniform. Yeah. Exactly. So Yeah. That's awesome. I agree. That one I found to be like mind-blowing in a way I totally did not expect. And she I think she started like she told the story, right, about about uh, working with Amy Schumer and how mm-hmm. the first question she always asks is something like, you know, when was the last time you felt fabulous in whatever you were wearing, and you sort of start from there. And what was it about it? What was the, remember? There was this whole thing mm-hmm. about the silhouette. Yes. Um, yeah. Which, like, because I'm not really into fashion, it took me like a really long time. I had to go to like remedial. I, I remember Rosie, you and I were like Wikipediaing silhouette <laughs> and exactly. uh, just really what is this? Uh, explain <laughs> like, what is she talking about? Um, but once we got our heads around it, this idea that there's a certain shape that feels good to each of us and looks good to each of us. Mm -hmm. And so like, just go with that. Like, don't, don't worry about anything else. And it like just kind of gives you permission to be like, Oh yeah, this is my thing. Everything else I can give away. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I also found that episode kind of validating as someone who is basically at this point, just wearing a lot of hoodies and like sweatpants, um, because we are just working from home now. And, uh, I always sort of felt guilty about it, but now I'm just like, I don't know, why not? It's comfortable, you know, it works. I mean, you
2: could be the CEO of a tech company and wear that. Why can't you? Yeah, that's
3: true. (laughs) Um, That's that's a good point. After seeing like Sam Bankman Freed's work outfit, quote unquote, uh, I don't feel so bad.
2: Well, and I will say I've been traveling a lot the last six months and out in the world. And the other day I gave a talk in jeans, which I never would have done. Um, You know, they were like dressy jeans and I had on a nice shirt. Uh, but like, you know, it wasn't disrespectful, but it, I think you can carry this into the world, right? Um, I don't think it's just a zoom thing, which is cool.
3: Yeah. Merritt, you're a, you're a fashion plate. How did
0: that? Yeah. Merritt already
2: knew all of this. Uh,
0: no, not at all. (laughs) And I, I just, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Rosie, I just, I found that to be, um, just how, uh, the first step sort of being, kind of the more difficult step of just sort of the acceptance and awareness of your, uh, own, own shape and, and going forward, you know, from that standpoint, um, my wife and I both enjoyed that one for that reason. And just like, you know, deriving your confidence and your style from, you know, who it is that you are.
2: Yeah. Right. And just kind of not not trying to fit into some other. I mean, you could. It's a whole metaphor that's much bigger than, than fashion, <laughs> right? It's like getting comfortable with yourself. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Get, getting comfortable with with yourself, and then in the clothes that, that you're wearing, and uh, I, yeah, I found it just sort of inspiring.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it, you know it does raise the point that we've talked about some of the lighthearted episodes. We also do a lot of really serious, intense episodes. I'm always amazed. Listeners bring us some really really hard problems. You know what I mean? Like, and I I used to wonder why, why would you, why would you bring us like the hardest, most intimate, difficult problem you have? And then I realized, well, of course, you know, if you could solve it by Googling it, then you would, right? Um, So, so people will often bring us something that is either obviously very, very heavy or appears light, but in fact is, is heavier, right? Like is about something bigger, like being yourself or saving the planet, right? Um, and it's it's kind of awesome how people will trust us. I mean, I'm saying this like I don't understand why, but in, I mean, I think we do work very hard to protect people's privacy and to find just the right expert and to take real care with their story. But it is it is sort of striking to me how people will bring us really personal, difficult things. Um, and it's not always easy for them. I mean, Rosie, maybe you, maybe this would be a time to talk a little bit about what happens behind the scenes to help make guests feel feel comfortable.
4: Yeah, I'm always so blown away how much trust, like, you know, get listeners have in us. Um, and I... Yeah, I don't know. It, it's something that I definitely don't take for granted. I mean, I, I love having the, what we call pre-interviews, which is essentially just conversations with, um, listeners after, you know, y'all have written in, um, or called us with your questions. And it's kind of a time where we get to, you know, we get to know each other. Um, I get more information about your questions, but, we're at this kind of unique junction being part of a journalistic organization, but also being in the advice world. So if I can find an expert that you jive with who has the res- the, the like, um, knowledge that you're looking for, but also can say, like, I've been here too. Here's how I've navigated the stuff that like doesn't get covered in studies is the like messy human stuff that like we can't figure out on our own. Um, I don't know. That, that always makes a really good match for me.
3: Yeah. I mean, Rosie, I think this is like your secret superpower, like your ability to kind of crystallize and figure out, you know, the thing that they need the most help with. And then, to, you know, there are so many people out there in the world who've written books and studied these things and so-called experts, but finding the one that will really vibe with the person who has that personal journey, has that, that empathy. Like, I'm, I'm just thinking of... um the one that we did, uh, how to stop having it all before you lose everything, mm-hmm. um, and and our listener was like this, uh, like Instagram influencer, busy mom, I think in like Arizona, mm-hmm. A- and uh, you had brought on Amy Westervelt, who had written this this whole book, and our listener when she heard that was like, oh my gosh, like I know you, like I've seen your stuff, like you are the person who I like talk to other people about, and and like there she was on the call with her to like help walk her through this. Um, so, I mean, there's so many examples like that, but I also just want to say real, real quickly that, um, we are so gratified that people share, um, like very intimate details of what's going on with them. And and we certainly are very cognizant and conscious of protecting identity and privacy, um, and you know, I'm I'm thinking of another episode we did this year, which was like how to stop workplace bullies um, And that was a really tough one And I mean, I mean we were on the phone for hours with this woman um, in Canada just to make sure that she felt comfortable um, Sharing these things and, and also we wanted to make sure that we could really try and give her some like practical advice Um, but I just think, again, it's, it's this, this sort of solutions journalism that we are striving for to really make it like human centered and put the listener first.
2: Yeah, no, I I mean, I think, and it is funny how people don't always realize, like Rosie said, I'm glad you brought that up because you're trying to kind of curate a dinner party about the hardest thing in someone's life. (laughs) (laughs) So you want to be really thoughtful of, of, of the mood and the vibe and the connection and, um, you know, finding someone who knows a lot on paper and also, like Rosie said, has been through it, has been through the woods and out the other side. Coming up, we're going to give you a little peek behind the scenes at how we pick just the right music for each show. And then we've got some great listener updates that you won't want to miss. Stay with us. I wonder, since we're, we're kind of going behind the scenes a little bit, um, Merrick, could you maybe kind of walk us through how you pick music and score each episode? Because each episode, people, again, may not know this, but each episode has an um, original score and sort of playlist. So could you describe that, how that works? How you, How do you start?
0: Sure, yeah. So my process is such that I will go through and do uh, kind of a, a smoothing and pacing pass uh <laughs>
2: to take out the sounds of dogs and flushing toilets and, right oh, I, Is that no
0: what? accentuate flushing those <laughs> that's depth of field <laughs> we, ha-
2: we did have one of those this year this probably shouldn't go on the show but we did
0: have we one had a flushing, flushing toilet, toilet? <laughs> yeah no it's my it's it's nice. on me
2: like in my office there's a there's a bathroom right next to where i'm standing so once <laughs> sure, in a while someone will <laughs> it's true and so i'm always like no Uh, um anyway
0: yeah so accentuate those and highlight those and then (laughs) um as i'm going i'll uh try to uh pace the piece out um and leave gaps where i think music can help the show to move along i'll sort of leave notes uh indicating feelings that i'm feeling as i'm doing this uh like Hmm, brooding or longing or inspired or challenged um a funny one that uh often comes up a lot doing this show is uh feeling stuck which is actually kind of one of the more challenging uh sort of things to do musically um So hopefully the music kind of has a purpose of sharing a certain feeling, but also allowing some room for hope or maybe uh, clue them in that something good might happen. The story might take a turn. They might have someone help them or or oftentimes the, the narration will sort of have a revelation. Um, I'm not sure if these will be the most perfect examples I have like an example here, um, and I can play you my first attempt, which I felt like was sort of a bad, the the, the less good option.
2: Here's our first rule. Virtually no decision is truly permanent.
0: Even tattoos. So um, I thought that was okay and kind of highlighted the, the sort of turmoil and the, and the struggle that the listener was feeling. But I thought we could do a step better and get something that keeps the show moving more and, and, and uh, maybe gives the listener a bit of hope and that we might resolve this and some like inspiration to keep listening.
2: Here's our first rule. Virtually no decision is truly permanent. Even tattoos aren't really permanent. Almost everything can be undone with enough time and resources. That said, not everyone has unlimited time and resources. Some decisions are much harder to undo. So how do you know if the decision is worth the risk? Could we take Tiffany through a bit of that process Um. right now? Oh, I
3: love that cue so much. That was a great choice, Merritt. Uh, that was
2: that's thanks. a great example. Mm-hmm. Can I
3: just say too? Part of what it works about that that music is, it's got this sense of like we're tackling it. You know, it's got a kind of active.
2: Um... There's in, there's something intriguing about it. Like there's yeah. intrig- something's afoot.
3: Mm. Right, right.
2: Yeah, because like any dinner party, the music matters. Like how you feel matters. How the audience feels, um, and it can make it much much better because sometimes i'll hear it and i'll hear it you know over and over again as we're editing it and then i'll hear the final version with music and it it just was like wow i'm so inspired like i have a totally different feeling um i
3: think the other thing musically that, that we try and do and i hope that listeners sort of pick up on this is not ever be like too over the top or too kind of saccharine or like Especially like at the end when we've Mm. quote unquote, solved the problem, I think it's really easy to go like, like full on cheesy, like the world's just perfect now. And it's just, you know,
0: the world is still kind of a messy place.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So now it's time to open our presents. The best part about (laughs) this annual tradition is that we get to hear from some of you all and particularly people who have come on the show with a problem and now tell us how it's going. Rosie, have you gotten any updates? Oh my goodness. We have. We have gotten updates, which I just love.
4: Um, I think we've got an official update from Becca Ballant, who was running for office. She won her election.
2: Yes. So this is huge news. As listeners may remember, Becca Ballant came on our show with Utah Governor Spencer Cox to talk about how to run for office without being an a-hole. Is that even possible today? Uh, Becca was a state legislator from Vermont, and she's very much on the left. And Governor Cox is a Republican from Utah, very much on the right. And they talked about how do you resist the urge to demonize, to seek revenge in a system that's really set up to stoke all of those feelings. Um, And then, drumroll,
5: we heard from Becca. I did win my election. And I won it without being an (laughs) a-hole. I am really enjoying getting to know my future colleagues in this incoming class. I think a lot of us feel the same way, that this moment is very critical for us to come together as a nation. And I'll just tell you a quick story. During orientation, I looked around the room and realized that there was a table that was probably full of Republicans. And I could tell that because... You get to know the people in your own caucus really well and these were people I didn't really recognize. So I sat down. We got to chit-chatting and they just assumed I was a Republican. And at one moment, you know, they realized that I was a Democrat and it all got very weird really quickly in the way that they were looking at each other and looking at me and I finally said, "If if we can't sit and have a muffin and coffee together, we're just doomed." as a nation and we've got to do it differently and it starts with us. And so in the days that followed, anytime I saw them, folks who had been at that table, they waved, we exchanged, you know, pleasantries in the elevator. We had a connection to build on. And on the last day, one of the staffers came to find me and he said, I wanted to get, um, a chance to talk with you and tell you how nice it's been for me to watch you bring that positive spirit and that kindness with you. And we took a selfie together and I feel like that one little gesture of mine of sitting with them and breaking bread together, those kinds of things can allow us to build relationships. So keep checking in. But today... I'm feeling really hopeful. I actually saw Becca at the Library
2: of Congress last week. She was there for her freshman orientation with her family. It was really, truly thrilling. She showed me the member room where only members of Congress can go within the library, <laughs> within the library uh, to read and think and reflect.
3: Yeah, and I hope that that level of harmony lasts in the uh, cafeteria.
6: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: Another another listener we heard from, who is actually our very first episode of the year, um, we heard from Tori. She had written in to us uh, originally on uh, asking how she could quit sugar, and um, it turned in... It, this was one of the episodes that sort of snowballed um, into a, uh, answering a question that was much bigger than just sugar.
7: Hi, how-to folks. This is Tori from the episode, How to Eat Whatever You Want. Just calling with an update, Uh, and since that episode, I will say I've been eating whatever I want. I have not been cutting out sugar or any other types of food. I haven't been keeping track of food. I haven't been weighing myself um, or anything like that. So some of the advice that was given, like, um, you know, redirecting the conversation and whatnot, that's been actually super helpful And I have been able to do that with some friends, and uh, it's been really nice not having the focus of conversation be on what you're doing to lose weight or work out or whatever. Um, I will say it's been hard to adjust to the changes in my body, especially because it's really hard to find clothes uh, for bigger sizes in stores, and um, that's the one thing that's been Uh, a bit demoralizing, um, although I do have some friends that have shared with me different places to go and find things. And yeah, I think that's about it. Thanks for having me on the show and giving me all that great advice. And I hope everyone is doing well.
2: I'm very grateful to Tori for sharing that update with us in all of its complexity. These are not easy problems and we're really glad to hear from you and from all of our listeners even when things are not anywhere close to fixed that's where we live Derek anyone else that we've heard from
3: well actually on that point you know that's 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 certainly true. Although sometimes we do hear from people from years ago uh, who are have really this you know our advice has has frankly changed their life, which is amazing. And that that includes Matt uh, from 2019. We did huh. one of our earliest episodes was called "How to Stop Being Anxious." Uh-huh. He was this ex police officer who had had some tragedy in his family, losing one of his daughters uh, to this rare illness, um, and he had all of these kind of uh, Episodes of extreme anxiety where if he got a text it would remind him of when his daughter was in the hospital and something was going wrong And he would just like break out in these cold sweats and it was really disrupting his life and his and his work And we were able to bring in uh, Dr. Ben Michaelis who's this cognitive behavioral therapist who gave him some some techniques to kind of break those those cycles of stress and anxiety Um, And Matt actually wrote to us just recently. So this is like three years later. uh, And I'll just quote from his email. He says, "Um, things are going great. I'm still using these techniques. The key for me was realizing that I had a reason to stress. It wasn't that I was going crazy or anything like that. I was going through a very hard situation with losing our daughter. And so once I kind of realized that, then I could actually cope with it. Um, and so I just wanted to say thank you. And again, that we are so gratified to hear things like that. I'm so glad that, um, our advice was helpful in this case.
2: Yeah. And speaking of anxiety, I think we also heard from Peter from Israel, right? Who was terribly phobic of cockroaches. Is that right?
4: We did. He was the one that was, yeah, afraid of cockroaches. And then we very cruelly, uh, showed him some pictures of cockroaches to help, uh, you know, figure out exposure how he should react in real time. Exactly. Yeah,
2: exposure therapy. There wasn't. There wasn't actual psychologist in the room. Just yeah, to be clear. Right. It was all very
4: controlled.
2: He did consent to it. Um, kind
4: Actually, of. Actually, that's
3: that's another one of my favorite behind the scenes story from this year because I remember like spending an hour trying to find the scariest, creepiest cockroach image that we could show him. <laughs> uh, and I did sort of take perverse. Uh, yeah,
2: you, pleasure you in that. enjoyed it a little too much, as I recall. <laughs> yeah. But good news, right? I mean, he's doing okay. It sounds
4: like. We haven't we haven't truly traumatized him. He. Came <laughs> Out of our recording, okay. Um, no, actually, he um, this summer during cockroach season in Israel, um, he made it through every time he saw one on the street. He thinks to himself, I can do this. I was on a podcast, which was just amazing. <laughs> I just love it. Um, and it, 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 apparently, just being on the show, even though we showed him pictures of cockroaches, uh, gave him an extra boost of
2: confidence. So yeah, that's so. Th- there you go. Yeah. Anyone out there listening who wants to do something hard, something scary, reach out to us. And then, if nothing else, you can then say to yourself, "I can do this." I was on a podcast. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank you again to my colleagues, Derek John, Rosie Belson, and Merit Jacob for joining me on this side of the mic. And a huge thank you to all of you, our listeners, who continue to entrust us with your problems week to week. It is an honor and a privilege to make this show and learn alongside you. How To's executive producer is Derek John, Rosemary Belson produces the show, Merit Jacob is our senior technical director. Special thanks to Kevin Bendis and Alicia Montgomery. Charles Duhigg created the show. I'm Amanda Ripley. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in 2023.